Welcome, everybody, to another edition of This Week in Legal Blogging. This is Bob Ambrogi. I am the author and publisher of the blog Law Sites, and I also host the podcast Law Next. And uh, this is our weekly series produced by LexBlog. We talk to some of the leading bloggers in the legal profession. Uh, and this week, I am uh, very happy to be joined by uh, a longtime blogger, Francis Pileggi, who writes the blog Delaware Corporate and Commercial Litigation Blog. Francis, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Uh, we were just talking before we started about the fact I, I feel like I've, I feel like I've known you forever because I've known of your blog for so long, but I'm not sure we've ever actually met before. But uh, you know, first of all, how how are you doing uh, in in the midst of this uh, this pandemic and and the crazy times we're all finding ourselves in right now? Well, I've I've been very fortunate because uh, as of May one, when I started with this new firm, I've been able to actually come to the office. So I was only working from home for about a month or so before that. And um, I'm one of the lucky ones because it hasn't had a major impact on me in terms of my workflow. I've been able to come to the office since May 1, as I said. And in terms of the volume of my work, it has not slowed down. In fact, I'm busier than ever. So whatever impact the pandemic is having on the legal profession, fortunately, it seems to be bypassing me. Well, that's great. That's good to hear. And I, I don't think I said this, but you are the uh, uh, managing partner uh, as of May 1st of the Delaware office of Lewis Brisbois. So congratulations on that move. Uh, Thank you very and, much. Uh, you've been, uh, you've been uh, at uh, Eckhart Siemens before that and, and Fox Rothschild uh, way back before that. Um, and uh, good as memory. I said, well, good memory. <laughs> and I have LinkedIn, too. um so uh, i wish i had a good memory it's going it's going getting old um it's funny because i was actually i was uh googling your name just to just to see what was new with you and i I came across an interview that uh colin o'keefe of lexblog did with you eight years ago for the old uh, lxbn network that used to exist uh on lexblog and uh uh, it was a, all of a, a five-minute interview, I, I think. Uh, but you said uh, in that interview, you said, "I wish it were longer. I wish we had more time because I could talk for an hour about the benefits of blogging." Uh, so now you've got time, <laughs> and we can talk more about the benefits of blogging. But you know, so like I said, you started 15 years ago. Uh, you know, where where were you in your career at that point, and why did you decide to launch a blog? Well, um, that's a great question, and um, you say we have an hour. <laughs> well, I got a, a little less than that. Um, well, way back, it was way back in 2004, and um, I realized that um, even even that long ago, uh, when people wanted to find out about someone, uh, they didn't do what they did 50 years ago and look in Martindale Hubble. Um, they went on the internet, and so I wanted to. Um, have some way of influencing what people found when they searched for my name on the internet, you know, on the internet. And I did some, some sleuthing and some online investigation. And I found the legendary Kevin O'Keefe, uh, Colin's father, who I had read about, um, was starting this company. I just started this company, um, targeting lawyers, um, 
uh, and lawyers who wanted to have a blog. And I, of course, at the time, didn't know anything about a blog, but subsequently learned that it was, uh, on many levels, a perfect fit for what I was trying to do because I had already been widely published. I was um, frequently uh, writing articles to publish in various legal publications, and I thought this was a perfect evolution of that. And it also helped to create a presence on the Internet. It helped to improve and, um, and polish my internet presence, so to speak, my, my cyber footprint. And so I spoke to Colin's dad, and he explained what was involved. And it turned out to be relatively uh, easy to do because LexBlog would do all the, all the um, background work in terms of the technology and graphics and setting up the blog. All I had to do was provide the content, which was easy <laughs> for me to do. So You make it sound easy. All you had to do was provide it. That's the hard part. <laughs> That's the hard part, uh, and and you've been doing it steadily ever since. Um, just tell us generally about about your blog and what your focus is. Well, my focus is on uh, it's the name implies Delaware Corporate Commercial Litigation, and um, it's easy to find content because I primarily focus on the decisions of the Delaware Court of Chancery and the Delaware Supreme Court. Although there are other courts in Delaware, like the District of Delaware and the federal court, and there's also a trial court of general jurisdiction that also has a commercial litigation division. But because the Court of Chancery is so prolific, the number of opinions it uh, produces and the number of um, opinions that are routinely 50, 60, 70 pages long um, come out every week, that it's almost impossible to keep up with all of them. So. I know some bloggers uh, are challenged by finding content. That has never been one of my challenges. Um, the challenge is finding the time to write about the content. And um, there is a, a, a publication that you have to pay a couple thousand dollars a year for that also follows the Court of Chancery. And they have three or four full-time writers. And they have trouble keeping up with it. So what I do now is I just pick and choose what I think are the the most noteworthy decisions, and then I don't always do a complete synopsis. I typically will pick out things that I think are especially noteworthy about the opinion, and I focus on how that relates to other similar opinions. And um, that's where I think I can provide the value as, a, as opposed to doing what a, a law school student could do and do a simple synopsis, which doesn't really tell you how that decision fits in with similar decisions on the same topic. Yeah, and so, so how are you making those decisions? I, I mean, are you basing it based on what you think is going to be of greatest interest to your readers um, or, or what strikes you as the most important or how, how are you sorting through that? Would you believe I've developed an algorithm? No, <laughs> I would believe you, but uh, no. <laughs> I'm gullible that way. So, no, the truth is that I pick cases that um, that I'm interested in, that I have familiarity with, and that I think uh, most of the readers would be interested in. So, a combination of those three factors. So, if if a decision comes out and it's an issue of first impression, well, that of course is important. If there's an issue that comes out on, I'll give you an example, Section 220 cases. It's a statute that 
allows stockholders to demand certain corp- corporate books and records. I've been, you know, writing about that and doing cases on that topic for over 30 years. I've been writing blog posts about it for 20 years. Excuse me. Seems like 20. 15 years. <laughs> and so I have a pretty good idea when a Section 220 decision comes out, how it fits in with all the other decisions I've written about over the last 15 years on the blog and, and 15 years before that um, off the blog. And cases I've handled on Section 220. So if I use that as an example, if the Section 220 decision comes out, um, if it says something important, I'm, I'm more than likely to pick that as opposed to a decision that comes out the same week on something that either I'm not as interested in or um, I don't think my readers would be as interested in. Yeah. You know, Francis, that that raises an interesting question in my mind. Uh, You know, obviously, uh, given your practice area, you'd be following the developments of this court anyway. But uh, do do you think that by having to kind of sit down and write about these decisions, that that gives you a greater perspective on them and gives you that more of that kind of historical perspective that you just alluded to? There's no question about it. It it helps me to be a better lawyer because I remember the cases better if you read them you might remember them if you read them and you publish something about them you're more likely to remember and also i know a lot of other lawyers in uh, actually not just in delaware but around the country who tell me that they use my blog as sort of a mini lexus because if they want to search for a case on a particular topic free of course and um it's easy to find a case on section 220 for example and I use it that way myself because uh, it might be hard for you to believe, but there are blog posts that I've written 15 years ago that I might not remember. <laughs> <laughs> so if I wanted to find cases on Section 220, if I pub, you know, type in Section 220, I'm literally going to find several hundred uh, blog posts on Section 220 that... I can use as a starting point. Of course, it's not the complete way to research, but it's a good starting point. And other people tell me they do the same thing. If if they're not familiar with an area, it's a great way to to get an initial immersion in in a particular topic. I I think that's an important point about blogging in general, because uh, as you're blogging over time, I mean, I found this with my own blog. I'm covering technology, not, uh, not the courts. But you build up a library of knowledge, a library of information that becomes a resource. I mean, I go back and search my own blog, and I know in the legal technology world, a lot of people will come and search my blog for, you know, sort of the history of, of how something developed in a particular field. And with with a lot of traditional publishers, all that stuff dis- either disappears behind a paywall somewhere or uh, or just disappears altogether in some cases when a publisher, you know, changes their publishing mode or goes out of business or something. So. You know, you're, uh, there was a, a reference on your blog that your blog has been called the premier online resource for coverage of the Delaware Chancery Court. And it sounds like from what you're saying, that's that's really what it's become. Well, someone wrote that, and I forget who wrote that, but uh, once they wrote it, I, I remembered it. <laughs> and yeah. um, it's nice to have people say things like that. Yeah, yeah. Francis, who is the audience for your blog? Who are you trying to reach, or who do you think you are reaching? Well, as you know, you can compile a a substantial amount of statistics about people who visit your website. 
including a blog. And I know that there are readers in all 50 states, and I haven't checked it recently, but um, last time I checked, there were readers in over 100 countries. So um, the first part of the answer to your question is uh, it's a fairly wide geographical scope of readers. Yeah. Um, and drilling down, I think that is um, primarily lawyers uh, who want to know about Delaware law. Yeah. Specifically about Delaware corporate law. And if you drill down even further, um, it includes non lawyers who also want to know about Delaware corporate law. But um, I guess if I had to try to focus on a particular prototype of a reader, it would be someone who either has a passing reference or passing familiarity with Delaware law and wants to learn more, or somebody who um, doesn't know much about Delaware corporate law and wants to get up to speed on a particular topic. So I yeah. try to, and I also try to focus on people who might want to learn more about it, and I just provide highlights, and then they can just read the whole case for themselves. Yeah, and is that kind of are, are you thinking about that target person when you're writing a blog post, or uh, do you have a do, how, how do you you know construct a blog post? Are you thinking about who your audience is? I, I really do, and I also I really primarily focus on people who already have a passing familiarity. And sometimes I'll begin a blog post by saying this blog post assumes a basic understanding of the basic. Um, prerequisites of a section 220 case so i'll start out yeah. so if you're not familiar with it yeah i'll, I'll turn it off right there <laughs> yeah i don't have to go any further <laughs> yeah but some of them are much broader and some of them don't assume any prior knowledge right so uh you you talked about originally starting out um, in blogging because you were looking for a way to uh you know promote yourself uh, and, and get the word out about your, your practice and your work. Uh, how has that worked out for you? Fabulously. Uh, beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, I don't really have wild dreams, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, beyond, beyond whatever dreams I had. Um, and I guess one way to measure that, there are so many ways to measure it, but one way to measure it would be monetary. I can directly trace millions of dollars in fees received over the years from people who came to me through my blog. But that's not the end of it. There is an enormous intangible benefit in addition to the dollars and cents. It improves my, um, my writing. I mean, I tell people that, you know, even if you, you can probably train a monkey to do the same thing over and over every day for 30 years. And even that monkey's going to get pretty good at it after a while. So by writing all these blog posts for all these years, I think it either, I think it has to have a positive effect on my writing. And as I mentioned before, I think it has a positive impact on my abilities as a lawyer because it helps me to, to remember the law better. It keeps me up to date on the law better. And it gives me an ability to go back and search for cases on a particular topic much more quickly than I could otherwise do. And another intangible benefit, but still a huge benefit, is one of the reasons I started it is my um, my footprint on the Internet. It's a, it's a much bigger footprint. I think it's a much more 
polished footprint than it would otherwise be if I didn't have the blog. And what do you think it is about blogging that has brought those clients to you? Well, it's a number of factors, but one of them is um, similar to all the articles I have published in the past and still publish in other publications, that if you've been writing for 30 years about, I'll just use an example, if you've been writing for 30 years about Section 220 cases and you have literally hundreds of articles published on that topic, even if you don't know anything about Section 220, you give people the impression that you do. <laughs> and it's hard not to learn something about Section 220 if you've written several hundred articles about it, in addition to handling many cases about it. So the short answer to your question is it is a legitimate way to give people an impression, which is a true impression, that you know something about a particular topic that you're writing about. Yeah. So so do you think that, I mean, do you, do you think your career would have been different if you hadn't been blogging? No question about it. It would have been different. I'm not exactly sure how different, but as as, as um, Colin's dad is fond of saying, and, and it's 100% true, um, I know Kevin O'Keefe has written a lot of articles about one of the benefits of blogging is if you want to do more legal work in a particular subject area, start blogging about it. And, and the cases that you write about are the, likely going to be the cases that you will start to get referrals for. And that has been true for me, that I wanted to do more work for commercial litigation work. And because of my blog, undoubtedly, I have gotten and still get referrals literally from all over the world. From yeah. People who come to me through my blog. Yeah. You've been at three different firms over the time that you've been blogging. Uh, how have your firms been? Uh, have these fir have the firms been supportive, understanding uh, of your blogging? Uh, <laughs> yes, I would say for the for the most part, it's hard to um, it's hard to deny the the success of it. Yeah. I mean, when they see, see me bringing in millions of dollars a year from it, they um, they it's hard for them to suggest they're not going to complain. It, it's not a not a good idea. Um, I won't get into details, but one firm, the first firm that I was at, and I've been in each of these firms for ten years, so it's not like I, you know, was only there for a short while. But when yeah. I first started blogging, the firm said, "Well, before you can do it, we need to have a policy in place because we're just not sure, you know, what the impact is going to be." So I waited for a couple weeks until they did it, and now you can do it. All right, so. After about a year, they realized how successful it was. They started promoting other people who have blogs. And I think um, at this point, they might have 15 or 16 of their own blogs. And then after a couple of years, they came to me and said, you know, if you want, I realize you're paying for all these things yourself, the monthly fee and all that. If you want, we'll start paying for it. But then, of course, you have to put our logo on it and we're going to want editorial control and i said no that's okay i'll keep paying for it myself <laughs> yeah good a good move uh you would not want to have had to uh, leave that blog behind when you no. left that firm behind you know you talked about uh, you just referred to the firm wanting to put a policy in place i know you write a, a lot uh, about legal ethics issues uh, i think you've published a book uh, uh, on legal ethics yeah 
are, have you ever, uh, uh, you know, had any concerns about the legal ethics issues around blogging? Well, of course, it's something you always have to be aware of. But the the subject matter that I blog about is fairly um, benign. Um, I try not to um, do anything other than summarize my understanding of what the court said. But there are situations where using Section 220 is only one of many examples I could give you that uh, I've compiled my observations about Section 220 cases, just giving you one example, over the past 15 years, and I've made observations over the past 15 years. These are some conclusions that a reasonable reader could reach um, after observing the cases over this period of time. And some people might disagree with me, but they're just my observations after reading all these cases. So I don't really take any positions that are that can be fairly considered to be radical or extreme. I certainly don't. Um, I try to sanitize any references to the court. I usually just refer to the court. I don't refer to the author of the opinion. I certainly don't criticize the opinion. I just do it straight down the middle. This is what the case says. This is how it might compare to other decisions. These are some observations about decisions on this issue for the last 15 years. But I'm very careful not to say anything that uh, could be considered inappropriate. I've, I'm, I'm shocked that over 15 years nobody has cited something I've put in a brief uh, in opposition to um, something that, for example, I've expected over the last 15 years that in a response to a brief that I filed, somebody might have quoted something I put on the blog um, to contradict something I was putting in a brief, but right. for some reason that has not happened yet. Your your words have not come back to haunt you at this point. Not yet, but who knows? Tomorrow it's, it's early yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's early yet. Um, you know, as you've and as your career has developed over the fifteen years, and, and as you've taken on roles of you know greater responsibility within your respective firms, how have you maintained? How have you been able to maintain the time to blog? That's a great answer, great question, and the best answer I can give you is nights and weekends. <laughs> and um, if you're not willing to do it on nights and weekends, then you're in the wrong business, I guess. But um, but it's really, in some ways, a labor of love um, because I really do enjoy the process. It's like a lot of other things. I, li- I like, I enjoy the end result. I might not always enjoy doing it. Like some people I know... Um, work out every day. I try to work out every day, not because I like working out, but I like the end result. Right, right. Which is staying alive, which is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you, over 15 years of writing blog posts, have have you come to some thoughts about how you like to structure a post, what you think makes a good blog post or a bad blog post? Yes, and I think that um, I really... You asked me earlier if I keep the target audience in mind, and I do. Yeah. And most lawyers are very busy, and they have a lot to read. And the last thing they want to do is read a lengthy case summary. Um, so the short answer to your question is in two parts. More often than not, more recently, within the last year or two or more, I've been basically providing highlights, bullet points, I call them. 
These are the key bullet points, the takeaways from this case. If this is a topic that interests you, here is a link to the entire opinion. You can go read the whole thing. And busy lawyers, I think, find that valuable because that's what they want to know. Why is this case important? What are the key points, the key takeaways? If I'm interested, I know I can read the whole thing. There are other cases where they might be really, really important, and I will give a more lengthy or give a lengthier uh, summary, but more often than not, they tend to be bullet points. Do you think uh, blogging is as more or less you know, relevant today than it was 15 years ago when you started? Well, I don't want to keep referring to Colin's father, but I, I, I'm a big follower of Kevin. Uh, it's okay. We're all fans of Kevin here. You can talk about Kevin. I'm a big fan of Kevin. And I know Kevin O'Keefe has written a lot about the answer to that question. And I, and I agree with him. If I understand him correctly, um, blogging is still relevant, even in the age of Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, um, because they're complementary in some ways. That you can't provide as much detail um, about, let's say, a, a recent court decision on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook uh, as you can on the blog. And it, it, the forum uh, of blogging lends itself to more thorough analysis. And in addition to that, it lends itself more to, in this case, collecting your work after 15 years. You can easily go on and search all the Section 220 cases. I keep using that as an example, but there are many other examples. I wouldn't, I'm not sure you could do that on Twitter um, or on Instagram or on Facebook. And there are probably a lot of other social media platforms that just don't give you the same um, platform that you can get on blog. So I'm a, I'm a legal professional early in my career, and I'm giving some thought to starting a blog, and I come to you. What's your advice to me? Do it. <laughs> I'm a prophet of blogging. I could literally speak for hours on blogging, and if I, I realized that I might have had some advantages. I'm sure I did have many advantages, because when I first talked to Colin's dad in 2004, most people didn't even know what a blog was. Right. You know, some people call it a, a, a web blog or anyway. So you spent the first five or ten minutes explaining to them what a blog was. And so there's some, I know I had some benefits by being a first mover in that regard. Now it seems like almost everybody has a blog. Yep. So you have to maybe try harder to find a niche. And I really do believe you need a niche. But there's still plenty of niches out there. And I'm not aware of any other way that you can make your, a name for yourself and create a cyber footprint on the internet as long as you're willing to work hard. Well, let me, let me take that to the, to the next level. I, I'm a young lawyer and I really want to blog about Delaware corporate law. What do you say to me about that? <laughs> find I another mean, topic. Find another topic, okay. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, I guess in part my question is is really about there are so many there are so many blogs out there now, as you said, and I think I, I think sometimes I hear lawyers uh, feel uh, dis discouraged or, th or thwarted about starting a blog because they feel like I can't do something different anymore. And I, I can't, you know, my, my topic is covered already. Somebody else has got it. 
do you think there's a, a way for a lawyer to start a blog on something that's already being blogged about by others uh, and still make a voice? Yes, yes. All joking aside, there there are, even though I was the first one, um, there are several other, at least two or three other um, blogs that cover uh, Delaware corporate law. Corporate law, one or two, just Delaware corporate law. Others, corporate law in general. But as you know, even if you're doing a blog on corporate law in general, most of the or large part of the of the topic or content is going to be Delaware. So all joking aside, um, there's always room. There's always room for an, an, somebody to do the same topic if they do a good job. It's yeah. harder, but I think it would be easier to find a topic or maybe a subtopic. Maybe somebody will do a blog just on Section 220. It sounds like they should, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's so much out there that um, even the topic, even though it sounds like it's narrow, Delaware corporate law, as I said, literally hundreds of pages a week in court decisions comes out. There was one just a couple days ago. It was over 300 pages, just one decision. So it's easy to find... Even if so many people are covering the same topic, find a subheading or a subpart or a subtopic of that topic. Yeah. I, I didn't ask you this before about writing them, but do you do it all yourself or do you have associates work with you or others? I would say up until about a year ago, I did about 98% of it myself. Now I think I do about 96 or 95% of it. <laughs> okay. Because I have had people, associates and others, say, oh, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you. And then when they realize how much work is involved, <laughs> you know, you never hear from them again. Yeah. So they might do one or two blog posts and then, nah, it's a, nah I don't have time. Okay. And then yep. more recently, there's a guy who is um, a reporter for one of the legal publications. Over the last, he's followed Delaware corporate law for the last 30 years. And he's written for major publications like Reuters and Bloomberg and um, others before to cover the Delaware courts and Delaware corporate law. And he's in between jobs. And he said, listen, I'm in between jobs. I've written about Delaware corporate law cases for the last 30 years. Do you mind if I do some blog posts? And for the last several months, he's done great work. And I'm happy to have him. Um, But uh, other than that, it's just me. Yeah, good. And I do, once in a while, I do get an associate to do a blog post. And yeah. I welcome them. But most people don't want to spend their nights and weekends um, writing on this stuff. Yeah. Do you follow other blogs and read other blogs? Are you on social media? Are you kind of engaging with, with readers and other thinkers yeah. in this area? I am. And, and I, I'm going to keep ref, referencing Colin's dad. I know Kevin's. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna send you a bill. Uh, I mean, you should you should send him a bill. I guess is what I should say after this. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe is Kevin O'Keefe is next month is free, it's, Francis. I want to tell you, <laughs> it's like a conversation. So, I do read other blogs. Uh, Professor Bainbridge is one of my favorite blogs. He mm. writes not only on corporate law, but a lot of other things, yeah. uh, wine and food, yeah, uh, culture, things yep. of that nature. He's got a great blog. Um, and that's how I got to know him. I got to know him through the blog, and I've been out to California a couple times, and uh, we've, we've met for lunch 
a couple times. And there's so many other examples of that. Um, the relationships I have and people I've met only because I've met them through the blog. So to answer your question, yes, I do follow other blogs. I am on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, not as uh, heavily, but sometimes when I have a post that I think is especially noteworthy, I'll share it on Twitter, I'll share it on Facebook, I'll share it on LinkedIn. And, uh, and I also uh, spend a fair amount of time on LinkedIn as well. Um, because uh, I think that um, they use uh, Kevin O'Keefe's term, it's a conversation. And blogging is just one part of it. And so I want to know what's going on in my field, and the best way to do it is to find out what other people are doing. Yep. So I could probably follow a lot more. There are probably two or three that I follow fairly closely, and others when I get around to it. Yep. So... Uh you, you, as I said at the outset, you said you could talk for an hour, or as you said during the show, you could talk for hours about blogging. I've been asking you a lot of questions. What, what other words of wisdom would you like to impart uh, about blogging before we wrap up? Well, I don't know if I have any words of wisdom to impart, but, um, but I guess I, uh, it'll still be my last reference to Colin's death. <laughs> I really, I really do owe a debt of gratitude for him. Um, to, I owe a debt of gratitude to Kevin O'Keefe for getting me involved because when I first called him, I had no idea what a blog was and he was very patient with me and he was very, um, he took a lot of time to explain it and if he didn't, uh, I probably never would have done it. So, um, I think I forgot your question. If I had, uh, words what other, what other words of wisdom that I haven't asked you about at this point, would you like to uh, share before we wrap up? Um, I guess if you, uh, if you really are passionate about an area of the law and you want to attract more work in that area of the law, I can't think of anything uh, other than blogging, which gives you more bang for your buck. As long as you're willing to work hard and make sure that you generate high quality content. Well, you're clearly a, uh, a, a, a perfect uh, testament to the power of, of blogging, uh, terms of building and, and uh, helping a, a career to thrive. And uh, and uh, you're also a testament to uh, an example of just what a good blog is and uh, what a great blog is. And, and uh, congratulations to you for keeping at it all these years and uh, for all your success. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to talk about it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Good to see you. And uh, stay well down there in Delaware. Likewise. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Well, that that does it for this week. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week. And uh, has Colin told me who's on next week? No, he hasn't. <laughs> uh, but uh, we will be back next week with another great uh, legal blogger. Same time, same place. Until then, this is Bob Ambrogi on behalf of Lex Blog. See you.